Roxanne Durhodge. Thanks so much for tuning in again uh, to Authentic Living with Roxanne. Um, so, you know, on my show, I talk about authenticity and listening to that inner space within your voice uh, to be able to capture and have the best relationships. So today I have a special guest, Sarah McDonald. Sarah is um, the president-elect of a Toronto a Canadian Association for Professional Speakers. I was just privileged uh, to meet Sarah and I uh, now belong to the organization. So welcome, Sarah. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. It's great to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, I, I have a bit of a bio, but I, I often say I will say a bit, but I think it's often the best that you kind of tell people a bit about yourself. But uh, what I can tell my audience is and, uh, that Sarah is a leading recognition expert, uh, helping leaders kind of look at people's exponential power of recognition. She looks into uh, retaining top talent and sustaining healthy bottom lines, which I know every company is looking for out there. Mm -hmm. uh, she basically does, um, she coaches leaders, she does workshops, and she's an organizational development professional, which is fantastic. Um, she's been in a lead leadership role uh, for about 17 years. She has three books, which is fantastic, which is, uh, and she has lots of free resources on her website um, that I can see here and a couple of things that she's going to offer to you today. So Sarah, thanks so much. And uh, your brand is Greatness Magnified, which I thought was com a complete kind of alignment when you kind of think of my brand and your brand. So uh, thanks again for coming on. So tell me, tell us a little bit about you and kind of your path. I know you and I have a bit of similar backgrounds um, uh, with our education, but uh, you know, interested to hear about uh, how you kind of started coaching and, and dealing with leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so um, really, actually, I think my my connection to to your common industry, right, the love of training and development and human resources, and just frankly, helping people in workplaces to, to evolve and develop and, and to be appreciated and do meaningful work. I mean, that actually started when I was doing my undergraduate degree. So I was fortunate enough to go to Brock University and they have an amazing opportunity for undergraduates to be sessional leaders of um, classes for first year students. And I took every course that they had available to be to learn how to teach. And then I approached them and I said, I think we I should be the author of the TA guide for Brock University. And for some reason they said yes. And I just I found my passion for teaching. And even when I went on to grad school and I was doing what I still thought I wanted to do, which was to be a helping professional, you know, to be a therapist. I realized very quickly that it actually was a career in training development and organizational development and systems. And now my niche area that I do in my own business and have, have been running my own business for the last three years is specifically, as you had mentioned in my bio recognition. Because if there's one thing I found, I'm sure Roxanne, you found the same thing in your career, that you know, if, if our workplaces across North America, the average person, there's only about 30% satisfaction, there's something really wrong. And the organizational development work that my colleagues and I have been doing for years, almost always found that recognition was the easiest, fastest way to build trust and productivity and shared focus and mission and, and frankly, more satisfaction and, and desire to come into work. And when that started to happen, then it reduced sick time and turnover and the other business challenges that we experience today. So 
it's been an interesting journey of the love of teaching to spending the time with people to see where the pain points are. And then now at this point in my life, being able to focus on the easiest strategy I know of for every individual, no matter how burnt out, no matter how much they're thriving, to be able to continue to support themselves as well as support other people. So tell me, you know, you, so your background, I guess it's, it's uh, family relations. I saw that and organizational consulting. So that's a, you know, you found all your passions along the way and you made that connection and now you're speaking and training and doing all these wonderful things. So how did you kind of make that connection? Like, you know, obviously, yeah. uh, and I, uh, having been a corporate consultant too, the, you're right. People bring themselves to work on other days when we thought, you know, Roxanne comes to work. She leaves her, her personal issues at home. She walks through the door and she's going to be the stellar employee and she's going to give everything. So that's yeah. obviously we know that that's not the case. So in your, in your sense, how did you kind of start to connect to that whole concept of people wanting to be connected and, and help and, and uh, tying it to rewards, I guess, with organizations? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, the having a background in psychology and in family systems theory, well, we certainly see from the whole humanistic psychology um, grounding, which was the field of psychology I'm most connected to personally, that, uh, and I think it was Carl Rogers who said, if there's something that people need more than to be loved, it's to be understood. And that's really the gap in organizations today is that a lot of people are walking around feeling like nobody cares about me or they just don't understand me. That, you know, even if people know that they do meaningful work, which not all feel that they are, um, it's that, uh, would anybody care if I left? Or do, or frankly, am I disposable? That somebody will just replace me and they won't even care? Or are my opinions and my ideas for improvement, my, whether it's to improve a system or a product or to create something new, to be able to address longstanding issues? somebody hearing me? Do they want me to be able to share that? Because it's been my experience, and I'm sure it has been yours and all of your listeners, that we've all had times in our career where that falls on deaf ears. And it's very disempowering and certainly disengaging. So again, there's such easy strategies to be able to, to connect in with people. And it's all based in the, the roots of psychology and basic human relationships, whether it's family or whether it's organizational industrial psychology or any number of related people fields, we see this time and time again. So strong evidence, of course, the evolving field of positive psychology further supports this um, and, and you know, meaningful work and why some people are incredibly successful and more gritty than other people. Um, but the bottom line is, and, and really where it's, it's even come up in my coaching work that I've done because I'm a professional certified coach and so coached over 300 people over my career, is that that's often when people are at the point of a transition why people consider leaving their profession or leaving their job or, you know, where they maybe want for stretch and they're ready to pursue something else. It's often in that, that aspirational place to be able to fill a void as opposed to always being aspirational to be able to do the next thing. So, you know, my, where I think I've, I, the authentic piece, you know, to, to, to relate in with your core message of what you're trying to do in your podcast is, in my career and is listening to people's authentic voices and trying to figure out what is my unique way that I can help them and where, how I can fill a need that's not being filled in the world. And I'm hoping that your listeners are, are asking themselves that same question because 
you know, there's not, there's nothing new under the sun, really. We're still just sort of redigesting and figuring things out as we go. It's how, how can you fill a void that still, for some reason, despite how evolved we are and how much we know, go and serve, whether it's one person or create a whole movement. There is, there is a valuable place. And that's really greatness magnified, right? Is how do you magnify your greatness by bringing that contribution, your unique greatness to bear? And you know, that's a good point, right? Because we all want to feel validated. I mean, whether I'm sweeping the floor or I'm, I'm running a major a part of a, a particular industry, at the end of the day, people want to know that their voice is valued to some degree. And what I found when I was in corporate consulting for years, the biggest gap and interested to hear what you what you found is that a lot of times the middle managers um, may not have the skills themselves to be able to you know be able to leverage what they hear above and support below because they often get from both ends right they get i'm not you know you you know you, you're not meeting my needs and then they have the metrics that they have to kind of report to in reference to their senior management and mm -hmm. those types of things and oftentimes whether it was a small uh company up to you know sometimes the companies that i served had a hundred thousand lives that was often the issue that we found is that mm -hmm. managers either got pulled up through the ranks because they uh, could do the job, which is great, um, on, a, on a bottom line kind of element, but around the soft skills end to things that was, was they're like, well, I'm not sure how to intervene with Sarah <laughs> because I'm, you know, she may be going through something mm. at home and I'm not gonna step into it because that's Sarah's business. Um, but I know maybe Sarah has been a little bit tardy on Wednesday after you know, mornings type of thing. So do you find when you're out mm -hmm. there, that's, that's something that you're seeing? Um, and, and how do you kind of approach that with companies um, that you coach uh, around uh, those issues? Middle mm -hmm. managers, for the most part, are pretty darn burnt out. And, you know, I, I'm fortunate that a lot of the folks that I'm working with are very progressive organizations. I thought when I first started my business, I would be helping people see the light and be embracing <laughs> the opportunity to build engagement, respectful cultures, and that I would help them to see the path forward. And as I'm sure you've experienced in your business, the people who get that there's an opportunity to continuously improve that are continuously improving. So, um, so I don't always actually work with people who just don't get it. So sometimes it's those, those organizations that actually are putting a lot of um, things in place for their middle managers to not be overwhelmed. So they probably are doing things like their operational strategy differently, such as identifying the most important few things that need to be done. You know, the four disciplines of execution is a great book that I recommend companies that they're, when they're not doing that. So they understand that it's better to do a few things really well, and therefore you're not burdening your middle managers. Right. Staff is very clear. You can communicate a few key objectives very easily, and you can also make progress on them so much more easily, as opposed to what tends to happen in most organizations, which is, well, there's so many things that we need to do. There's so many stakeholders we're trying to serve. We've got, we're, we're pulled in a million different directions. Right, right. We don't have time to even communicate that to middle managers, to frontline staff, to our clients, to our suppliers and other partners, let alone us all understand and be rowing in the same direction ourselves. So, I mean, that's the very first thing I say to folks if they, they're feeling overwhelmed or if their organizations are in a bit of a state of crisis and they can't figure out why are those middle managers not, you know, 
figuring it out and why are they bickering amongst themselves and why aren't they helping each other? Well, do they know what are the most important priorities and, and have they been able to have the support to take things off their plate that aren't aligned to those priorities? I mean, that's, that's one thing. The other piece of course, we have to invest in our people that mm -hmm. you, you've got middle managers who you're putting the biggest, most important responsibility in their hands because there's your, your really your first customer should be your employees. Because if your employees aren't taking care of your customers, then your customers aren't being taken care of. And so this whole reactionary firefighting mode that a lot of organizations go through, whether it be we're seeing a gap in our, in our leaders, so I guess we better plug that hole right through to operational day to day. Why isn't somebody getting that report done? I gotta chase them. There's probably a lack of planning and a very reactionary sort of approach. So. You know, I, I would suggest that people need to take a look at that um, and making sure that you have that focus on what are, again, the, you know, the important few most important objectives that people need to, to, to be growing and developing in um, mm -hmm. as leaders and that they know exactly what's expected of them and that there's two-way conversations on an ongoing basis as if they're, expect they're meeting those expectations. Um, and remind people, tell people, celebrate with people when they're doing great, when they're making progress or when they're going above and beyond, including with our middle manager, because it's not an easy gig. You know, it's, you know, it's, I think it's pro oftentimes the most difficult role, right? They have such responsibility and if they're not being supported or they're, if they're not being invested in, if there's skill set deficits or, you know, and sometimes mm -hmm. they just need a pat on the back that said, that says, Hey, you're doing a pretty good job. You know, when I would go into the companies that I served, I, I would say that most of us agreed as executives that we would be able to tell the tempo um, of the environment by the person greeting us um, generally at reception. And, you know, yeah. over the years, it really kind of bore out because you can kind of tell if someone walked up to you, hey, how are you doing? You kind of, and then you kind of got into what was happening within the organization on reference to health and wellness strategy. What are their you know, the key cost drivers for um, concerns and things like that. You can kind of, mm -hmm. it, it kind of trickled down and you could see it worse as when you walked in and, you know, that person was maybe a little bit more abrupt or, or stern or those types of things. Mm -hmm. and, you know, you kind of could see that kind of rippling all the way through. So in, in reference yeah. to yeah. Uh, greatness, like when you, you know, the average person, I think it's great, right? I, all of us want to work for a company that's informed and, and, and connected and, you know, knows what we need to focus on and they're only going to do one or two things at a time. But we, you and I know that mm -hmm. a lot of realities in businesses, you know, year after year as we go, mm -hmm. we're doing a whole lot more with less and we're having to make sure that we keep our human capital because without great employees, the average, I and mean, you would probably be able to tell me the, you know, if you were to lose an employee by the time or uh, somebody um, mm -hmm. very pivotal, it takes you about six to eight months to be able to get that person mm -hmm. hired, retrained, and be able to really kind of make a difference again in the company. So keeping people are very, very and three times that person's salary, possibly. You know, that's that's some of the research says it can be up to three times the cost of their annual salary or if they're hourly wage there, what they would get paid in a year to be able to replace them. Wow. Wow, it's that um, high. And, so and some organizations pay four hundred percent turnover rate. So you can imagine how much money is flying out the door every year. So absolutely. And there's some fields and some industries that have a much higher turnover than others too. So 
Um, absolutely, you know, it's, it, this is a very high cost um, to to not addressing your turnover issues. For sure. So I'm I'm curious, right? It's great to work with companies that are know it and they get it, and you know, you go in and you you know help those employees to magnify further what their capacity is, and the, which is great. But if somebody's listening and they're having a tough time, right, and they're thinking. Sarah, I love, I love the fact that, you know, I love my job, but, you know, I'm, I'm not getting the feedback that I maybe would, I'm, I'm, I'm almost starving for it because I, you know, because we're on to the next thing, right? We're, the project is done and we're on to another and we're on to another. And I'm really wanting to kind of get some positive back. What might be some things that you would suggest that they try with the people that they work with either above or, you know, laterally to, to try to kind of engage um, a shift in, in what they're needing. Well, and this is the thing that I love about recognition is that you can have anybody start a recognition uh, movement in very small, completely free or very low cost uh, ways. It doesn't have to be a corporate initiative. You don't need permission to do it. Um, it, my goodness, if somebody gave you flack for trying to make the workplace better, you definitely don't want to work there, you know? So, um, so it, there's no barriers to it. Um, right. so what I would say is, you know, try, try a recognition strategy, have kudos cards, thank you cards by your desk, leave them on your colleague's computer or tweet them, you know, create a hashtag, you know, if, you, if your company, um, doesn't mind, or maybe it's just a personal Thing that you're doing with your your colleagues um, but it doesn't have to be a corporate thing um, share with them with the rest of the world why you why you appreciate them or what they do that's special um, so that's sort of some things that I always suggest people should be doing all the time and the mother research that I've done that went into my first book with my co-author Brenda Zalter Minden we worked with Canadian engagement survey company metrics to work to look at their database of over a quarter of a million engagement survey data points to see are there some common things that most people want and need when it comes to recognition? And of course there are, you could probably guess what they are. I mean, if I asked you, you know, what are the ways in which you think in your experience, what are the ways that people most want to be recognized? What would you say, Roxanne? I would say they want to be validated um, for what they do. Maybe not every day, but you know, periodically, um, they want to know that they're a person. They want to see, yeah. you know, if you're my boss, I want to know that you know kind of how I'm doing instead of, yeah what's just going on at work. And I think just uh, basic human kindness, I would say. And that, mm -hmm. kind of, that sounds kind of warm and fuzzy coming from both of you and I, but really I think of myself when I was, I've been in lots of you know, different environments and the ones that were the most toxic for me were generally the people that were disconnected from what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes yeah. the only time they would speak would be either a little bit more than performance evaluation time, but when something wasn't going right. Yeah. And that, you know, I would want the opposite to just, if, okay, how's it going? Are there your struggles? What are the pressures that's going on? And just getting, getting a pulse of what's happening would be something yeah. that I think would, uh, would, would, would help. Yeah. And, you know, it, and the, the modes in which that happens that people say they most often want is number one, oh, tell me, thank you. <laughs> Number two, personal specific words of acknowledgement, which is exactly what you just demonstrated. And number three, a written thank you. So 88% or more people say that they want one of those three. And I think the, the verbal thank you was 95% of people. So you really can't go wrong if you use any of those strategies. And to your point, 
um, make knowing what's going on with people, making something uh, personalized, not just being present and talking to somebody when something's going wrong, but also when you notice something right. You know, my, my colleague and I, um, we talk about a, some more solution-focused approach as opposed to a problem-centric model, which is a lot of organizations focus more on problems. And in, in sol a solution-focused leadership approach is to notice the extraordinary that happens in our ordinary, ordinary lives. So there's extraordinary moments of greatness that show up all the time, and yet they get missed. And I'm not saying we have to acknowledge every one of them. However, there's lots of missed opportunities. So, you know, when you had asked the question originally about what could people be doing, notice the extraordinary, those little tiny windows of humanity um, and, and acknowledge them. Don't let those moments pass you by. For me, I walk around and I carry little squishy frogs and frog charms in my purse at all times. And my, um, you know, my, it's, it's, people laugh because I'll just go, I'll say to a perfect stranger who's done something great. And, and it could be very small, great. Like, an extra smile when they hand over your coffee and they have a great day and they, they were just giving you such great service. And you may have only had one minute of interaction with them, but that whole minute was great and authentic, right? I'll, I'll say, well, I, I just have to frog you, which <laughs> if you want to get away, say that. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the th reactions you get. And the other reaction is I'm going to call security, you know, so that's always fun. Try it. It's really good. Oh, I've got to try. I've got to try that the next time I'm out. But yeah. you're so correct. I'll give you an example. When I was, uh, I managed a um, a center, and I had a team of of 15, and I was coming in as the you know the new leader, and they had had a rough you know interaction with their last leader, and I I was very young and blah blah blah, all those fun things, and and they were struggling. They were struggling. They really were. And trust was the issue. Mm -hmm. I was a new girl. They they apparently had a timeline on how long it was going to last. Those types of things. And oh, that's always fun to be part of that. And attention pool. <laughs> so what I did was, as they started to really just kind of get to know me, is I Christmas time just intuitively I had their names embroidered with the departments, and you know, was Christmas colors, and it made and I I thought. What a simple gesture, what, but the return that I got on that, to this day, I will run into these uh, colleagues now, and they will say, remember that time, the shirts, and and they were so proud, you know, the shirt probably cost me like $3 to get embroidered, probably cost me 5 to give 10 people, and I took them all out to lunch, and then gave it to them, and we all wore it, wore it over lunch, and after that, it was such a shift because then they, they saw me as a person. I was no longer the person that was going to tell them what to do. But in fact, you know, it was a, a simple gesture that said, well, maybe, maybe we should give this lady a, a chance. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's something as small as that, like you said, or, or giving somebody something simple or a genuine smile. I've heard somebody explain um, a smile is like a, a, like a hug without mm -hmm. physically touching. And I thought, how simple is that? What do we teach our children, right? We teach them to be kind. We teach them to say hello and goodbye or thank you. Um, some basic things, but to take that into the workplace, it, it just makes it, we all have to work. Um, and it, and, you know, we spend so much time at work. Um, so it's nice to be able to have that, that kind of connection at work. And then at the end of the day, if we like who we're working for, what do we do? We work harder. Yeah. You know, exactly. uh, so, so I think with greatness magnified, 
So, so when, um, when you're coaching with someone, let's say someone's thinking about potentially coaching with you, um, it, you know, they can reach out to you individually to coach. What kind of things would you, is there a certain system that you go through with them? What, what kind of things would you do to coach someone individually? Yeah, so there's two reasons really why people hire me as a coach. Um, it, number one, and that has always been in place, is they want some professional coaching to help them with the transition point in their life. And it's usually that they are considering leaving the current role or that they were ready for a promotion and they want to put the best foot forward. Um, they may have uh, maybe in a position where things have changed dramatically at their job and it no longer is a good fit for them. So they're just, you know, proactive folks who, professionals, who want to get in action. And almost always people who approach me are women. Um, it, I love men too. Uh, just ask my husband, but you know, it just happens that it's mostly women who, who um, seek out, seek me out. And I think part of it is because, um, you know, we, we, I can relate to all of the struggles that they're going through in making those tough decisions about the next step, whether it be kids, the invisible nature of work that we women take on um, the, the pressures that we experience, we internalize to bust the glass ceiling and do I really want to keep go from going up the ladder or in fact is my current level exactly what I want is it you know what is my choice <laughs> and what is what I think other people expect of me you know it's really who, people who are really processing that um, and so I don't have a particular system because each client is unique and different and and that is is how I treat each of them the other group of folks that I uh, work with are people on an entrepreneurial track. Um, so these are either intrapreneurs who are about ready to make the leap to becoming an intrapreneur, uh, an external um, entrepreneur, and usually a solopreneur. Or it could be people who are tired of playing small in their business and barely being able to make bank, who are ready to finally embrace their true greatness and, and make sure that the world is ready to pay for it, that there's something holding them back and that that's, it's causing them to behave in a way that their business is not profitable. And that's not blaming. It's just they, you know, they'll self-identify. You know, I don't market or I don't cold call or I, I cut my fees or I don't ask enough. Or, you know, so these, these sorts of things. So those are the two groups. And again, it tends to be mostly women who, who are attracted to me in doing that work. Um, and, and the really cool thing about it is that people find uh, an opportunity to tap into and and see show the world how the greatness that they uniquely have to offer is needed whether it be in the next job or in their promotion or in a different organization or in a, in a business and then you attract the the right sort of uh people to give you those opportunities clients or or you know job prospects and, and that sort of thing so um and i started the work of doing coaching actually as a, as an internal coach helping people, whether they were in an onboarding process, so the people who just were new to the organization, helping them expedite their transition. Right. And what we found was those people had a much higher retention rate and a much higher status, job satisfaction rate than the people who chose to opt out or who didn't, weren't offered the internal coaching for six months. So they actually built it in as a job requirement that you had to work with Sarah. And then when I left, you know, my, the people, person who who took over for me so um you know coaching has been a big part of 
what I've seen is help people be successful and really being able to live into their own version of their greatness and get off autopilot and, and cut through the noise of all the external expectations that we've been absorbing since we were kids. Right. And, and as women, you're so right. You know, um, I know you have little ones. I, I was once there a little while back and I was, you know, commuting to Toronto and, um, and then I said to them, my son was one and I said, I love my job. Um, my son is very young and I would like to stay with the organization. And then in, in, in being able to kind of have that conversation, it worked out that I worked virtually. I worked virtually for 10 years. Um, so I lived in Chippewa and managed companies from Fort Erie all the way down to downtown Toronto. But I, you know, and I had an assistant in, in uh, Toronto, so it worked out really well. But sometimes it's having that guidance and that, you know, strength to be able to say, well, what do I want, right? Yeah, I could yeah. have continued and, um, you know, been traveling all over and, you know, with a baby, I would, you know, kind of miss such significant things. But luckily mm -hmm. for me, I was able to go up and then what got created was a, at that point, that was like um, 17 years ago, they started, there was a wave of when all the positions became virtual. I was one of the first in the company and then it created a wave which allowed a lot of young uh, women uh, right after me to kind of go on and have their family. So I think you're right. Sometimes it's fear, right? It's like, I want to do this and I have this stuff I want to do in the world, but I also love being a mother and I, I have a family life and, and, and getting guidance like that, even though you want to continue on with your career, having conversations like that must um, obviously be very valuable because I know in my time, at the time that I did it, I, I got guidance from others that had uh, kind of been there. Yeah. So Sarah, it's been Phenomenal. Now you do speak. You also speak on uh, on uh, organizational consulting. Is your is again greatness magnified that you speak on, or do you speak well, on? Yeah, it's it's really it's my uh, my brand. So I'm a recognition expert, and the frog piece why I frog people is is my um, trademark brand um, that I developed with my co-author uh, forever recognize others greatness. So um, whether when it's for frontline staff, um, my background's healthcare. Most of my, I've worked only in not-for-profit until I worked for myself and now I work with everybody. But um, you know, I, I have this huge heart for caregivers and people who are doing really mission-driven work. And so when I'm asked to speak at their associations or for, for groups of them in their corporations, it's usually from a place of that question that you asked me earlier, you know, how can you leverage recognition to be more satisfied and to be able to feel empowered and also to frankly defend off of burnout as well. Um, the burnout that we can experience not just at work, but also of all the roles that we take on in the many aspects of our life. Um, and then for managers, human resources professionals, people in, in a leadership capacity of some kind, um, it's helping them to see how they can better leverage recognition in ways that don't take more time and actually reduce their workload and reduce their own manager burnout, um, but also increase productivity, continuous improvement culture, healthier workplace relationships, healthier bottom lines, you know, all of those key drivers. And then at the end of the day, you retain your top talent during this current talent shortage that shows no signs of easing until 2030. So, you know, I do a lot, that's most of the work, the speaking work that I do. When women's conferences, youth conferences bring me in, sometimes it has a bit more of, um, of a motivational strictly more motivational and therefore I talk about living and leveraging your greatness and occasionally people will want something very very niche to leadership in general and that's when I talk about collaboration and action a solution focused leadership approach so again that philosophy we were talking about earlier of how to be more 
solution focused as opposed to problem centric. And that's where I pull in um, so much of what I do as a professional coach and help people see how they can be more coach like as a leader. So that's, you know, if people are curious about it, they're welcome to check out my website, greatnessmagnified.com, because I have a speaker's tab there and it talks all about the different things I speak on, um, both inside organizations as well as as public offerings and associations. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And what we will do is provide a link because uh, Sarah has been very, very gracious in offering um, anybody that uses the link um, and I will provide that along with some of the marketing. Uh, then there's a certain discount coupon that you can use to, if you'd uh, like to, to work with Sarah or coach with Sarah, that would be fantastic. So Sarah, what I've gotten from you today is, you know, just to go back to a place like of listening to what you need truly and, and think about what, what is it that I need when I feel good or I feel recognized and then to really kind of go out in the world and, and be brave enough to be able to start to ask for what you need. Because I think as, unfortunately as women, uh, and I, you know, I, I truly, I have a son, but I, I, you know, I have a lot of uh, young females in my life where I think it's shifting, but I think definitely working with people to, to learn, to recognize that if you don't say it and if you don't verbalize the things that you need to feel good, then unfortunately people will try potentially, but they may be trying in ways that, that don't uh, fit the bill for you. So thank you for that. Uh, and, um, you know, I hope that uh, some, whoever, if anybody's wanting to connect with Sarah, they do. So authenticity at the end of the day um, is, is key uh, to all of us in our lives. The more we're able to slow down and do that, the more we're able to connect. And when we're able to connect, then the answers are there. Um, sometimes they're a little bit fuzzy or, or um, we need to, you know, uh, retrieve them, but they're there. So with myself, if you're needing more information from me, you can reach me at roxanderhodge.com. And I, I've uh, provided a, uh, created a report for you on healthy relationships. So it's roxanderhodge.com. Uh, forward slash sex so that I, I would think would be not uh, hard to forget it just talks about all types of relationships it's a three-part uh, video series on intimate relationships so if you'd like to get a copy of that um, by all means uh, go to the link and uh, sign up and we will make sure that you receive those videos so Sarah thanks so much um, look forward to seeing you soon I think uh, I'll be seeing you relatively soon um, and um, you know you go out there and continue to magnify greatness take care so much okay bye-bye join authentic living with Roxanne every Thursday 11 a.m. Eastern on Global Voice Radio